You're listening to Robertson Adol Kazilski. And welcome to Soul to Soul on this pretty chilly Monday afternoon. Uh, it looks like we are going to be hit with uh, some more rain. I was actually just uh, sitting um, at the dentist and looking at CNN and they were giving you know visual images of the weather around the world and I've got to say, Things are looking quite crazy. Either people are suffering there from uh, heavy floods and there's other places where the snow is ridiculous. It said there, I think it was in Hong Kong, that we um, received the the thickest or the worst snow in 24 years. And uh, we've got our own pickle at home with uh, Cape Town drying up very, very quickly. And, uh, you know, when a Jew sits and watches these things, um, one needs to understand that while there is a natural process um, to it, the weather is a an instrument of Hashem. It's Hashem talking to us. And it's uh, kind of a telling us that I was thinking about it, like what are all these images telling us where things aren't the way they're supposed to be? And um, one of the conclusions that I certainly draw, and it's it's drawn and based on, on Torah, is that Hashem is in charge, and uh, many, many times, sadly, we go about our lives ignoring the fact that there is a there's a, a, a divine influence, there's a divine arm that God God is actually manipulating and running the entire show, um, and we think that we're uh, you know we're it we're we're doing everything, and and so things that are completely out of our control, like the like nature, like the weather. And this is one of the apparent ways that Hashem makes things different. And this really is a lesson, if you think about it, that comes all the way from uh, now, the parashiot that we've just been reading in the last couple of weeks, the chapters of the Torah that we've been reading on Shabbat in Shul, where how did God convince Paroi um, that he was God. He, he could have, I guess, made a huge revelation as he is going to be doing this week um, at Harsinai and coming down and saying, I'm the Lord your God. But the way he did it was through natural means. The world went wonky. You know, the water turned to blood and the, the animals lost the plot and they invaded and the frogs came jumping out um, all over the place. And then we had boils and then we had things. And Really, all, all of this was a test for the Egyptians and particularly Paro to come to the conclusion, well, this is just not in the normal course, in the natural course of the way things should happen. And um, he should have come to ask himself the question, well, you know, who is behind all of this and what lesson do I have to learn? Uh, sadly, he was very stubborn. God also hardened his heart and he just kept on blaming natural circumstances or whatever it was that that was doing it until he eventually got broken by the 10th plague. And so when we look around at the world today, it is not natural. Um, the amount of snow, the heavy heavy flooding, the, the, the lack of water, the drought, etc., etc. And all of this are messages to ourselves, not only to the Jewish people, to the world as, as a whole, but certainly um, to the Jewish people to, to be cognizant of it, to, to be perceptive enough to understand it, that there is something behind it and that, you know, Hashem is looking for us to turn back to Him as opposed to, you know, trying to just control world events, um, the way we want to, to say, you know, that we're in control, we can do this and we can do this, we can do this. Eventually comes a point in time where we come to that realization that we are limited and 
hey, one of the things we can't do is we can't control the weather. They're talking about heavy rains coming down our way, and I keep on thinking, well, why don't you just blow it the other way? I know that the weather comes from Cape Town up to us. You can imagine if we could just actually send all the water that is coming our way back back down to Cape Town to assist them. But certainly on a spiritual level, we should look beyond that which is presented to us um, and, and, and learn something from it and, and hear the, the, the lessons behind it because that really is the purpose of man. God is hidden in this world and we should go out there and seek him through the prism, through the lens of Torah um, in understanding what it is that we have to do in our day-to-day life. And as always, in this hour, we are talking um Tehillim, we are talking the book of Psalms, we're still sitting in chapter 119, um, we are now on the letter Pei, the letter Pei um, starts with verse 129, and we are going to go through one, verses 129 to verses 136, we're going to look at the letter Pei, now the letter Pei um, has the same shape and has the same pronunciation as the word pear, which is mouth. And there's lots to be said about the mouth. First of all, if you look at the letter pay, um, the very shape of the letter with its opening on the side resembles an open mouth. Now, interestingly, last week, we learned the letter Ayin and we spoke about how important it is for us to look at things and discern things. And we actually spoke a lot about poverty because Ayin um, represented the Oni, the poor person. And if you recall, um, one of the things that we said was that the greatest poverty there is in this world is not a person who doesn't have a bed or doesn't have food or doesn't have clothes. Certainly that is poverty. I'm not diminishing that. But the greatest poverty is in fact the poverty of the mind. When one is bereft of knowledge, one is bereft of understanding. And I think one of the things that as Jew, as, as, as Jews throughout the centuries, and certainly something inculcated, I think, in the very essence of who we are, we are always thirsty for knowledge. And Torah is about learning. Torah is about understanding. Torah is about delving into the wisdom of God, because Torah was not penned by a human being. It is the translation of the wisdom of God into words that we understand. And when we involve ourselves in the learning of Torah when we delve into its secrets, into its wisdoms, into its understandings, we we gain a much greater, bigger perspective of what this world is all about, what we're supposed to be doing in this world. You know, just we basically understand everything. And I've said it many, many times that Torah answers questions on every level, in any sphere, Whatever topic you're looking at, there is a discussion in the Torah and there is opinions in the Torah um, because obviously if we are saying that Torah is the wisdom of God, then it is the manual through which he created the world. And so everything, any challenge we have, any obstacle, any understanding that we require in this world, we need to go back into Torah and we'll be able 
to find it. And so last week we expounded on the idea of eye and of the eye, that the eye is discerning, that allows us to look and gain that understanding and relieve us of the poverty of ignorance. And let me emphasize again, very, very importantly, do not use the excuse of ignorance ever. Certainly not today. Ignorance is not bliss, okay? Ignorance is a breeding ground for all things that are not nice in our world today, of, uh, of bigotry and of racism and of, of all of those things simply because we, we haven't gone beyond and asked the questions truthfully and honestly. When one delves, when one uses their intellectual capacities to actually understand and ask questions, one reaches a much, much deeper place than the superficial oof that, I don't know, I guess, I guess we swallow. So the greatest detriment to ourselves is when we plead ignorance. Today, even in the world of Torah, we have got Torah accessible through so many mediums, through so many social platforms, through, thank God, so many, many, many shiurims, through so much literature that is that is in, in, in the written word, that to come to someone or at the end of your life to God and say, I plead ignorance, I did not have access um, that that argument will not hold water, and so we're encouraged in Torah to learn Torah, to 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 enforce it, to 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 delve into it, and more importantly, what we're going to see in this week with the letter pay, the letter pay follows the letter ayin, is that um, since it represents the mouth, the letter pay represents the mouth. It's teaching a person that one should not speak. Before one has studied and one has seen the truth with his own eyes. That's vitally important. How many times we shoot off our mouths and we say things out of ignorance, out of a lack of understanding. Um, you know, seek to understand um, is something that is, is very, very important. And so the Torah comes to teach us that first one should look, one should discern. One should understand, one should ask, and then you can use your mouth as a vehicle to communicate um, that which you, you you want to. And it's 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 a pretty powerful lesson. It's kind of like pressing the pause button between what we see and hear and what we're going to go say. And we've got to be very very careful um, in all our relationships, in our familial relationships, in our work relationships, in almost every area of our lives. That we first use the eye and we first use the eye to see, and then we allow the mouth to talk. You're listening to Robertson Adol Kazilski. Welcome back, and uh, we are now going to be using, well, I'm going to be using my mouth, you're going to be using your ears, uh, to delve into chapter 119, the verses that start with the letter pay. As always, I welcome dialogue. I love uh, talking to people and, and discussing Torah and hearing any questions, um, comments. So, as you know, our SMS number is 34519. You can call in on 010-140-3020. And you can even WhatsApp us on 61 895 So, anything that, um, you know, is on the topic right now, 
or something that you want to say or question you want to ask, please feel free. The lines are open. We're going to start um, the first of the verses. It's verse 129, which reads as follows. Pala'ot edvotecha alke netzaratam nafshi. Your testimonies, your Torah are, is wonder, are wonders, and my soul has cherished them. Now, the reason why King David calls God's commandments wondrous is that, in a sense, they are beyond human comprehension. I've stressed a million times, and I'll stress it again and again. When we are learning Torah, we are not learning something that is man-made. It's not, it hasn't been penned by another human being, that if we had the capacity, we would be able to understand things and get to the same level that he who penned it was at Say even a professor of, of, of English has got a certain capacity and we know English just as well. Torah is infinite and even the greatest minds in Torah, the greatest rabbis, rabbeim, rabbis that we have in Torah that are steeped in the learning of Torah will always have a satisfaction in learning Torah because it's even deeper and deeper and deeper. So when one learns Torah, while one learns the basic um like halachic requirements of the mitzvahs, and generally those are clear, it's accessible, one needs to understand that there's much deeper significance, and there's hidden meanings, and somewhat like beyond absolute com- uh, human comprehension, and the scope and the depth of God's designs are mind-boggling. They're absolutely mind-boggling. You can take any one verse and then learn it and, and, and see this and see the nuance there and, and how it's structured here and, and how it's connected there. And There comes a point in time where one has to understand that the limited human brain has no inkling of how wondrous divine wisdom is contained in, this, in, in the scheme of the universe. And this is one of the things that we're taught that if we want to appreciate the greatness of God, then go look at the natural things around us. Go look at the way nature runs. Go look at the intricacy of the human body. Go look at anything you want to. And if you truly understand it, you are gobsmacked at how unbelievably intricate things are. You know, I once read that um, the birthing process natural birthing process of a mother from the time, the first step um, that sticks her into active labor, like gets her her body to prepare for the delivery of the baby until the baby is born. While we measure it in time, you know, how long was your labor? Another way to look at it, this article actually was quite fascinating, is to say, what are the changes, what are the biochemical changes that are required in order for the mother to birth the baby? And very interestingly, I cannot remember the exact number, so I stand to correction, but there were like something like 69 or 70, if I recall, biochemical steps that one followed the other that allowed the the, the the mother's body to change to allow for this baby to come out and also certain biochemical changes that happened in the baby to allow the baby to be birthed so the whatever it was the first the first step was to start activating the the, the muscles that the muscles start contracting and those muscles then allowed um, other biochemical s- uh, substances to be released that will allow for for dilation etc 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 and it's done 
methodically, one after the other, after the other. Now, that's an incredibly wondrous thing. And so we don't generally have the capacity, the understanding always to comprehend the reason and the extent to, 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 uh, to how God created the world. Okay, and we might go in our arrogance, say, well, I'm not keeping this mitzvah or not doing this thing because it makes no sense or I don't understand it. We've got to be humble enough to understand that that is our limitation and that even if we don't understand fully what we are doing, we should do it. But at the same time, use our intellectual capacity to delve into it because it's it's pretty mind boggling how. Deep, how intuitive, how right Torah is for, yes, 2018, as much as it was good and well and healthy and right 2,000 years ago. You know, on this verse, Pilaot Edvotecha, your testimonies are wonders, Rashi, the foremost commentator on the Torah, Rabbi, Shlomo uh, Yitzchaki goes and says that you can look, for example, in understanding something wondrous where we don't even understand anything about it in the mitzvah of Shiloh HaKain. Shiloh HaKain is the mitzvah of sending away the mother bird um, before taking her chicks. And um, this seems a pretty relatively easy, uh, a simple and in a sense insignificant mitzvah. Okay, um, we don't do it very often, but if we come across a place where we do want to take the eggs that are found in a nest, we have to send the mother away. And we can give it, you know, things, look how compassionate uh, Torah is, that it, it's pretty cruel to take away the children from, you know, in front of the mother, and it teaches us compassion on, on the animal kingdom, etc., etc. But past that, there's not too much to understand on a superficial level, and you could probably, God forbid, waft it away. Rashi goes and says that there's a tremendous amount to be learned from Shiloh HaKain, which I'm not going to get into now. But he says that just understanding the reward that God gives for Shiloh HaKain points to the fact that God attached great importance to it. What is the the reward? The reward is long life for those who practice it. Now, can you imagine? Um, if we really, really understood it, we'd go around chasing away mother birds because, you know, who doesn't want a long life? But Rashi goes and says, this is a thing, or this is an example of Pala'ot Edvotecha, that your testimonies are wonders because we do not understand the full extent of God's uh, wisdom, God's, underst- uh, God's ideas of how the world and why the world runs the way it does. And um, nevertheless, King David says, not only are your testimonies wonders, al Cain nitzaratam nafshi, my soul has cherished them. Because I know, says King David, that your Torah is so replete with inner meaning, my soul, which is the seat of Human intelligence loves your teachings and seeks to understand them to whatever extent it can. King David was very much connected in that space, in that place. And then King David kind of gives a plea out to God. Patach devarecha yair. 
your opening words, meaning the opening of your words should illuminate me ben patayim and make the simpletons understand. And here, what he's basically saying is that one could argue that if God's testimonies are wonders, we can't relate to them and we can't make any attempt to study them because that will be futile. Um, and so King David is saying that is a, a, that thinking is a misconception because when one, when a person seriously delves into the intricacies of Torah, okay, if you seriously delve into understanding Torah, it would not, it won't be long before you will gain satisfaction because you will start discovering a light. Like a light will open. Pesach Tevarecha Yair, your opening words will illuminate. You will start discovering a great light that will open up the wellsprings of your perception of truth. So much so that it says here, Mivin Petayim, that even simpletons will be able to gain a profound understanding of what, of what Torah is about. And we know, and the Midrash actually tells us, that when one starts learning Torah, it's almost like you've got an incredible thirst in your soul, in your psyche, in the identification of who you are. And when you start drinking from the wellsprings of Torah, there's a, there's a thirst and it sets off a chain reaction of scholarship because every word of Torah is a gateway to another world and another world of wisdom. And every insight um, that the student gets towards another insight allows the light of Torah to continually shed and open up and reveal things that we didn't know before. Now, very interestingly, if you are a serious um, student of Torah, you'll have heard many times the sages often introduce a phrase by the words, Pachat v'darash, he opened and he expounded. Or they will use the verse, Patach le pitcha, okay, which means he made an opening. And what they are saying there is that any rabbi, any sage, looks, when he looks at a verse and he first develops the topic at hand and he starts revealing its secrets, what happens is that his original analysis opens the subject and other Torah scholars then can benefit from his light and then they in turn are able to delve even deeper into the subject. So that's that's the process of Torah, and we do that to our children. We introduce them to the stories of Torah. We introduce them to the Aleph Bays of, of, of Chumash, of the five books of Moses. And every year they come back to the same study material, and they learn it on a deeper level and a deeper level and a deeper level. And honestly, there's no end. This... Uh, this weekend I was spending some quality time with my grandchildren and um, on the way home on Friday night, my granddaughter was telling me um, a midrash on on some part of the, the Chumash that she had learned and I, I, I was gobsmacked. I said to her, wow, I've never learned that before. And that just showed that, you know, I'm the grandmother, she's the grandkid. Certainly, I should be able to know as much that, as, as she knows. But here was a child who was learning and there was an aspect of Torah that one didn't know, an idea that one thinks. And that's everywhere, everywhere. The, the, um, the, the way we should 
embrace learning Torah is to learn it with humility because wherever you are, um, you, there is something that you can learn from somebody else because Torah is just so infinitely vast. So this is what King David is saying, that even simpletons will be able to understand. Again, Torah isn't about the intellectual uh, you know, hierarchy of people who don't, you know, who, the, the, those that are great, that understand a simpleton, a person who with just innocent faith can actually obtain a profound understanding of the world, of, the, of, of, of its secrets. And it's all about just having intellectual honesty and, and looking beyond it. And this comes back again to the word pay, to the word pay. Do we shoot off our mouths and do we ask and say things before we've actually taken the time to understand them, to delve into them. I think this is one of the greatest maladies of society today. I'd love your opinion um, on that. Do you think what um, I've just said is correct? Do you believe that if we all went out and educated ourselves, not just going and getting our, our degree at university or finishing our matric or doing those things, but really educated ourselves in the ways of the world and how people function and, and societies, would it be a better place? I think it would. I think it would because much of the bigotry and the racism is all just ignorance. And ignorance, as we said, is the greatest, greatest poverty. I'd like to make a comment. It's 34519 is our SMS line. You can call in on 010-140-3020 or WhatsApp on 061-895-1019. Right, let's continue into 131. I opened my mouth. I swallowed deeply. Because I lust for your commandments. So here King David is describing his initial, his initial enthusiasm to study Torah. He was like a starving person opening his mouth and gulping down all the food he can get. And I challenge you all out there, enroll in a class of Torah, listen to a podcast on Chai FM, download off the internet and start learning Torah in earnest. You will see that it's an insatiable First, it's an insatiable hunger. You'll be gulping for more and more and more because, number one, your soul will recognize it and will understand it and will say this is the truth. Because as we know that uh, the nine months that we spend in our mother's womb, we are told that the, 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 the embryo, the child, the fetus, um, learns the entire Torah from, the, uh, from an angel. And uh, when the child comes into this world, it says the angel knocks the the child on the mouth, on the pear, the very ideas we're speaking about today, and the child has a temporary lapse. We forget about all the Torah we have learned. And then we start wandering around the world, we start growing up, we start learning about the world. We think we're a clean slate, you know. Um, understanding the world anew, but tr- truthfully, deep down, in essence, in our subconscious, in, 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 in the essence of who we are, in our soul, we've got the tools to understand. And so when you start learning Torah, there is like a, a eureka moment, a ding, you know, my goodness, this makes sense. This resonates with me. And then you get this Desire this lust, this want to learn more Torah and understand it more and uh, embrace it more because 
it is it is the truth and there's that recognition in your soul and that's why king david said i hope um I opened my mouth and I swallowed deeply. I was gulping it down like like food. Because I lusted. I'm like I was like a desperate farmer, a desperate farmer who sees a parched piece of land. When the first drops of the long-awaited rain comes, he opens his mouth to catch some of those precious raindrops. So, so too for us, for our souls, Torah is like rain. Okay, um, Moses says in Devarim, my doctrine shall drop like the rain, my Torah shall be like the rain. Um, and the Midrash goes and says, just as a whale rises to the surface of the sea for air, so too should one inhale deep drafts of Torah. That, that is the extent, the, the, the neediness, the, the, the connectedness that the Jew has with understanding Torah. Now we ask, or King David goes on to ask in verse 132, that God gives us that, that ability to, to be in a situation where we can yearn and imbibe the Torah that, that, that he's been speaking about. He says, Penei Eli Vechoneni, turn to me and favor me, Kemishpat Leohavei Shemecha. As is just for those who love your name. He understands that we've got lots of aspirations, desires, and wants to learn Torah, but our success on learning Torah actually comes from, from God. In fact, the Talmud says that to remember the entire Talmud or the entire Torah, the Talmud teaches us, one requires siyata dishmaya, special divine assistance, so that our mental capacity can increase, our powers of retention can increase. And here King David asks that um, that God gives us that fertile place where whatever it is that we learn, we're able to understand and we're able to keep and we're able to use then in our walking through his beautiful land and elevating it to a place of godliness. You're listening to Robertson Adol Kazilski. Welcome back, and we are um, going through chapter 119, the verses that start with the letter Pei. Um, we are now on verse 133. Ready my steps towards your Word the al tashlet pi kol and let no iniquity have power over me. What King David is saying is, don't let my feet go wherever they want. Rather, guide me them towards your Torah. Lead me to the study hall, because what will the Yetzirah do? What the Yetzirah will do is that it will try take you elsewhere. Okay, as it says that. Um, it says it in, in Beratius, sin crouches at the doorway of the study hall. What does the Yetzirah want us to do? The evil inclination. It doesn't want us to learn Torah because obviously when we learn Torah, that's when we gain our knowledge. So King David is very aware of that. He says, ready my steps towards your word and don't allow the Yetzirah, don't allow the evil inclination power over me when I'm studying Torah. And we know very famously that King David was untouchable. Even the Malach Maves couldn't get him, the angel of death. And it had to concoct up a, 
whole thing of distracting um, King David one night while he was learning um, and uh, the, the noise distracted him and he looked up and it was then that the Malach Amavid, the angel of death struck him and managed to take his soul because King David was connected to God all the time and so this is our prayer as well uh, our, um, our prayer as well that God should save us from not being pulled in, in into the wrong directions verse 134 reads Pedeni Adam Okay, redeem me from human exploitation. And I will observe your precepts. King David knows that what happens with a human being is that we get very, very connected and very, very involved in our human relationships. Um, and Many times there can be situations where you cannot ascertain the honesty, the truthfulness of the person that you're dealing with. And you could land up getting exploited. You can land up being taken in the wrong way. So King David asks God here, redeem me from any type of human exploitations. Don't allow me to fall into places that I'm not supposed to be falling into because we've got human weaknesses. We have, we unfortunately have a very easy ability to sin. And we need divine. We need divine assistance. One cannot live life without divine assistance. Yes, you might think yourself great, and you're going out and you're making the money today. But trust me, Hashem is helping you um, in doing this by giving you health, by giving you the opportunities, by giving you everything that, that you need in order to fulfill that. Panecha ha'er ba'avdecha, let your face shine upon your servant. This is verse one hundred and thirty-five. Panecha ha'erba avdecha, let your face shine upon your servant, velamdeni et chulkecha, and teach me your statutes. You know, a person may be brilliant and perceptive in one field of knowledge, but incapable of grasping a different subject. What King David is saying, let, he's, he's davening and asking God, saying, let your shining face illuminate every area of wisdom so that I can understand Everything, And this is something that if anybody has had the opportunity of standing before a great Torah scholar, a Rebbe, a Rav, a, a, a Godel Ador, somebody that is really, really steeped in Torah, you kind of almost will see and sense a light flowing from them. In fact, it says about Moses when he came down from Har Sinai that his face was aglow, that he actually, when he spoke to people, he had to put a veil um, over it, because when you delve and understand, imbibe and inculcate into yourself the, the teachings of Torah, your whole demeanor changes. It's a total different game change to again grasping one field of knowledge. Verse one hundred and thirty-six reads: "Palge maim yardu enai." My eyes have shed streams of water. Al lo shamru Torah for those that have not kept your Torah. Now, this can be diced up in many, many ways. Firstly, here King David is saying that his eyes shed streams of water because one of the 
well, actually the fourth principle of tshuva is that every organ that participated in a sinful act and derived pleasure will suffer in order to purge itself. And one of the things our sages teach is that the heart and the eyes are the two agents of sin because you see and your heart wants and then you'll perform whatever it is that it's taking for. So what King David is saying here is my eyes through crying, okay, um, have atoned for the fact that um, there's been times where I have seen people not keep Torah, that I might have also have diverted from keeping Torah. And that's one idea that, that that is very important. But there's an even deeper idea, something that is 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 is, is spoken about. It's sometimes scorned, otherwise, it's 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 taken very seriously. But an idea that I think does have validity, certainly in leading a life that is moral, leading that a life that is ethical and true, and that is is that we should be careful in controlling what our eyes see. One does not understand, I think one under, underestimates unbelievably the power of sight. If you continuously allow yourself to see violence through the various uh, media, TV, movies, YouTube, whatever it is, you name it, what you are actually doing because the eyes are the window of the soul, you're actually shutting down sensitivity to it. And you're doing a very, very, um, you, 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 you're, you're doing an injustice to your soul. I'll challenge all of you guys out there to go on a fast of the eyes, to try and look at things that are only good, to try and look at things that you will appreciate beauty and understanding. Try to stay away from negative stuff. If you do it for long enough, maybe even a month, you'll see that the next time you look at that negative stuff, you'll actually be appalled. Your soul will have reawakened its sensitivity to it. And so one has to be careful with one's eyes. Also, one's eyes is the carrier of, 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 of lust, of wants and of desires. And if we knew where to place our eyes and allowed us to look in better places, speak in better ways, we actually would become better people. This is the message of the letter pay followed by from on the heels of the letter iron. Our eyes and our mouths are the most powerful tools that we walk around with today. And so perhaps the lesson going forward, I love giving a practical lesson to myself and to all of you out there that, that are listening. Let this week, let's be more cognizant of what we look at. Let's be more cognizant of how we speak. Let's be more cognizant of where we are placing our energies and maybe veer off the path of wherever we are right now to a better path, to look upon somebody more kindly, to speak to somebody more kindly, to stop and wait and think and understand before we speak. I think that would make the world a much better a much better place, a more beautiful place, a more pleasant place. And on that note, I wish all of you out there 
a wonderful week, a week of learning Torah. This week is Parashat Yitro. It's the parasha where we celebrate the giving of the Torah, the giving of God's wisdom. And may we all be blessed that we take this week and we delve just a little bit more into God's wisdom. And ultimately that will help us walk a path that is right, that is correct, ethical, and full of Hashem's abundant blessings. Wishing everybody a great week.